My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Nathan Schultz. Nathan is the founder of Elevate with Purpose. He's a coach who helps founders and executives make high-impact changes in their life and their career by, by connecting purpose and profit. He's a part of the broader conscious capitalism movement that's taking root in our country, which I think is all for the better. Part of the hypothesis of the conscious capitalism movement is that businesses are positioned to do either the most harm or the most good in our current global society. And that by elevating consciousness as individuals, as teams, as organizations, and by orienting towards purpose and impact, what is sometimes referred to as the triple bottom line of profits, people, and social and environmental good, that's a place for which we can really start to shift the world. So that serves as a backdrop for my conversation with Nathan. And what I think you'll find is he is just a wonderfully caring and heartfelt and open-minded soul who is committed to helping every person he encounters get in touch with their own purpose. He also does some work with um, so some men's work with a group called Every Man, which was featured in the New York Times and GQ magazine. And he really cares about what it is to be a conscious man in our society. And you'll notice that fits with themes in a few other conversations I've had with guests like Robert Mulhall and Yotam Shakhtar. So that's something I really care about too. And we spend some time there digging into what it is to tune into our identity as men in this world of ours. So it's a really rich and meaningful conversation. And I got a lot from it. And I hope that you do too. So let's get settled in and hear what Nathan has for us. Nathan, welcome to the Wonderdom. Andy, excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Our our mutual dear friend Meg Wolf, who is also a guest, sent sent you my way, and I'm really glad she did. This is our second time meeting face to face, and and in these two relatively short exchanges, I'm already tuning into what a, a caring and loving and expansive human being you are, and I'm really excited to just play today and see where our mutual interests spark new possibilities and see, uh, and see how we might be of service in the form of conversation and curiosity and discovery. All that is music to my ears. I love, <laughs> uh, I love Meg. Uh, Meg actually came to me through a very synchronistic connection. We were both at the conscious capitalism conference, uh, a, two years ago, the last, the last live one that there was. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, why am I meeting this person? Like, I don't know, but we're having this thing and she wants to follow up and like, let's just do it. And we've, we've actually been very close colleagues ever since. And she's come into my world. She, you know, she's, she's sharing her world with me. Um, so uh, I wasn't surprised when you and I met, we just kind of hit it off right off the bat and um, had just a very, uh, it feels like the kind of conversation that you're, that you're calling in right now. It's just like an unstructured and a playful one. Mm, yeah. Awesome. So it's like one thing we were uh, sort of riffing on before we started recording was this idea of collective intelligence or collective energy, the way that, uh, the way that two or more people brought together under the right conditions seem to produce 
something that's more than the sum of its parts. Uh, and, and there's people use lots of different language and metaphors for that, the universe, coherence, God. But I, I wonder, since we're like, there's a nice bit of synergy because you shared that idea and I was reading this article <laughs> at that moment that I like, I was like, I'm reading about this right now, which is really cool. And I just wonder like, so let's talk about that. What, how have you experienced that in the past? What's, what's been there for you in those moments where it seems as if you're connecting with people and something else is coming through that, that without each of you individually, it wouldn't be there. I mean, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps just <laughs> see the hair on my arm. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it happens now. It, it, was, it was kind of like a muscle for me where it was like, oh, what just happened? Like, oh, haha, like that was weird. And then the more it happened, it felt like it was a muscle where it, it just happened more often. And, and especially the more that I sort of called it into an existence and got playful and curious with the conversation was like, ooh, like I'm going to talk to Andy. Like, I wonder what's going to happen here. Like, I really hope that whatever is supposed to come through comes through and that like, it does something for me. It does something for the audience. It does something for him. Um, so that, that's kind of been like a top line of it. Um, but I've, I've just found that it, it usually only happens when it feels like I share values with the other person mm. Mm. and that we also have a shared intent or purpose for the conversation. And I'd actually say that, that one of our values is to be purposeful in this world and in this life and to like, you know, make the world a better place in some shape or form, hmm. whatever that is, that hmm. means to us. So those, those would kind of be like the nuggets that, that I've observed. Yeah. What's, what's moving in me as you share that, I noticed there's a part of me that really, I've been, I've been thinking a lot lately about the state of our public discourse and uh, the, the, I just had a guest on recently who her work is all about conflict mediation and resolution. And um, the thing that's like really moving me is this idea that, that we might, if we can, we being whoever the we is, you and I, uh, a group of people, even a group of people that might on the surface not share values, yeah. that there might be like a deeper layer underneath the topsoil where, where something coherent and aligned and purposeful, mm -hmm. we can, if, if we can all connect to that, a lot of the things we think matter start to mm -hmm. feel less important because now we're up to something bigger. It's like we all care about whatever it might be, saving our community, um, you know, healing from past trauma, um, creating a more, a more just and equitable society, re regenerating our climate, like pick your topic. There's this way in which you, you don't, it's not about having all of the same people. It's about all having the same purpose. And that purpose yeah. is where that, that kind of coherence starts to emerge. Is that, is that sort of what you're, you've been feeling into? All of that resonates with me a hundred percent, every word. Mm. And I, and I like that topsoil that you mentioned, which I would call some top spin that you put on it, which is like, the kind of purpose doesn't even need to be named or sort of at the surface level, mm. right? Because like the distinction I made was like, oh, it happens a lot when I really intend it and it's like vocalized, but it doesn't have to be at all. I think if the right stuff is under the surface between two or more people, that the right stuff that's going to come through um, comes through and, and, and namely like that word that I use, synchronicity. Hmm. which I, 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 I define that. I don't actually know what the definition is, but I just think of it as, as when, when one is in their own purpose, things like when you, which is like you being, a, or, or I'll just speak in that. I, which is me being aligned with myself, that things come to me. Hmm. So when the collective or two people share a purpose and the two of them are aligned with each other, 
things, just opportunities, ideas, ahas, epiphanies come into those two people or group of people, even if it's not named or called in or intended or whatever. It's, it's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool. Yeah. There's this, there's this, um, quality of just joyful disbelief like I can't believe that just happened right and it can be it can be micro and quote unquote unquote and I really want to put big air quotes around this trivial like you saying collective intelligence and me reading having to read an article about at the same time um or it can be pretty pretty macro like and and macro again is also relative but like suddenly getting uh, invited to apply for a new opportunity when you're just th- just reading about it or suddenly, you know, finding out that uh, that something you really cared about happened somewhere else mm. just as you were thinking about it, right? Like there's just all of these moments where it seems like what's happening inside of us yeah. has, a, has an external mirror of some yeah. sort or external yeah. expression. And I don't, you know, I almost don't even care if it's, you know, there's this phenomenon of where you, you, you buy a new car, like you buy your new Toyota and then suddenly you see the Toyota everywhere, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just as simple <laughs> as that, but even that's pretty freaking powerful, right? Like to just be like, I'm going to buy into a world where I believe every person is whole and worthy of love. Yeah. And then you just start seeing things everywhere where you, you notice people's wholeness and their worthiness as opposed to their, the ways in which they're hurting, right? Or maybe you can see they're hurting with love and compassion. So it's just, uh, it's sort of this choice of alignment. And then suddenly, like you say, all these things start happening, or maybe they were already happening and now you can just see them because you have a certain, you just see them. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of speaks to, um, something that popped up for me when you said that was, um, this concept this biological concept called the reticular activating system, mm, mm. which is acronym is RAS. Um, okay. Say more about that. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know the part that I care about, which is, um, it's basically a, a, a part of your body, a part of your system that once you do set an intention or goal, it actually filters out noise to help you see that thing. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm getting yeah. like the, the image of like an old fashioned radio dial. It's sort of like, it's like you're turning exactly. through the static until you find the signal and then you can hear it really clearly and, and go towards it. Is exactly. Right? Yeah. It's a tuning, it's a tuning fork. It's a tuning device. Mm. Yeah. The, one of the, one of the concepts I've been playing sort of living into a lot is just the recognition that, our, it's, it, there seems to be a lot of evidence that our brains are remarkably good at filtering information, filtering sensory information that actually, if we were able to notice and remember and retain every single thing we see, touch and smell and hear, yeah. we would just literally be paralyzed in place because the universe is just like, it's just bombing, bombarding. It's just is information. We're just in information. And so yeah. the brain has to, like, if it let it all in, we would just be overwhelmed. But what I hear you saying is that there's even a way in which, so that's just sort of true for all of us, but it often seems like we don't have a choice. It's like, I see, I see the color shirt you're wearing. I see the wall behind you. I, I can't not choose that. But what I hear you saying is actually, yeah, there's a way in which adding intentionality into that tunes the filter even more specifically so that if for instance i'm looking for to connect with people in white shirts i'm going to notice your white shirt like Mm -hmm. now i'm looking for it is that right exactly yeah you you nailed it. it 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 kind of gave some science behind this concept of intention that's you know that's uh that's talked about yeah and and what strikes me is that how often we don't like when I say we, I'm, I'll say I speak for me. Like that was a nice move you made earlier. How yeah. often I don't choose consciously. And so then it makes you wonder how much of what we see has been chosen for us by history, by family, by advertising, by other people's choices, right? Like there's this way in which what we think is reality is maybe actually a lot of choices made by other people that have given us unconscious intentions. Amen, brother. Yeah. 
And I know that you do a lot of work with that. You do a lot of work with, um, in the kind of conscious capitalist space, helping leaders and entrepreneurs be more intentional about how their businesses impact the world's and impact the environment and society. You also yeah. do, am I, am I saying right, the men's work is every man, is that right? You yeah. do some really, yeah. so specifically with men and the way in which we have been shaped in our own way in a specific way to do and say and be certain things and not do and not say and not yeah. be certain things. Yeah. How do you bring, how are you intentionally, what intention are, have you been setting around this work of helping people be more conscious? How are you playing mm. with it and helping other people play with it? Uh, that's a great question. It's, it's, it's almost like the part of the answer to that is the everyman method. Mm. So, you know, I've, I've spent maybe two and a half years in men's work and before I started helping leading it, leading retreats and leading, um, you know, a, a circle in my home, I spent a lot of just personal time doing the work, going to the retreats as a participant and, and then also being the participant in the circle that, um, that was in my home. And that really just helped me be more vulnerable and authentic. It helped me to speak to what I'm feeling or sensing, but that I wasn't comfortable voicing. Mm. And, and so when I'm not comfortable voicing something that's in my space that I feel anxious about or that I feel like I want to say, but don't say, I feel like it actually clogs the space. So if we're talking about collective space, it puts something between you and I. Mm, mm. And what I found is that when I just sort of the, it, it gave me credence to just loosen up more and be myself. Mm. Even if that, even if I have a story that myself is silly or that it's not, it's not acceptable the way that my mannerisms are or the funny things that I say, it just gave me a lot more permission to be more of myself, number one. And number two, to be very vulnerable. And three, actually, to really talk about who I am and to talk about my values and to talk about these conscious capitalism sort of values that like, um, you know, I'll just say it right now. Like, yeah, I am a very spiritual guy. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I, and I believe that there is a very defined intersection between that and between business and between capitalism. Um, now when I talk to clients about, about work, I don't actually use those words just because I don't necessarily think that it serves to potentially use words that other people aren't going to recognize or feel, um, feel akin to. Hmm. I just try to speak with very, you know, very down to earth stuff. And that's like, you know, what do you believe in? Oh, what do you think that your purpose is? Hmm. Um, how can you express that as a leader? And how can that expression of your values and your purpose actually be reflected in the strategy or the purpose of the company, the culture of the company in the mm. way that you lead employees? Mm. Um, so, you know, as I'm hearing myself talk, it's, it's, it's really not like this, like sometimes big word of spirituality um, can often have a lot of hangups and baggage with it but really if you just look at the word I, I translate that is to just living from your spirit mm. and and again I don't even use those words but what does that mean it just means being who you are and that's actually what I what I define purpose to be is is to be the fullest expression of who you are as a service to other people so um it's beautiful I'm getting yeah. this. I'm getting this. You have to be so much more complicated than that. And people don't have to have this big fancy strategy where it's like they've got this big charity set up or whatever. It can just be all of yourself and doing that in a way that helps your employees and maybe your customers and your the other whoever's in your ecosystem, you know? And in, 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 sorry, I just cut you off there. So. No, no, it's um, I'm glad you finished your thought. And And what I'm tuning into is the that you use the word fullness a couple times. Like I'm almost getting this, 
like spirit full, right? Spiritual mm-hmm. is being spirit full, this sort of way in which you start to, for instance, in your men's group, notice things that make you anxious. Just that act of noticing means, okay, there's a fear there or a belief there or an assumption there about what I can and can't do. Yeah. And then giving yourself permission to talk about that, to be vulnerable about that. And, and that then opens this door for, for whatever really is in you to, to fill up and come out. Right. And that sort of process, like vulnerability, the act of vulnerability as, as maybe a key or a lever towards that, that fullness of spirit that then has impacts on other people. Cause I imagine in a, in a circle of guys, like the ones that you facilitate, the more that one person is really vulnerable, the more that the other people in the group not only show up to be there for that person, but also then show up more vulnerably as well. So there's a sort of cascade yeah. effect, right? Yes, you nailed it. It's, it's almost like a, um, a calling, a natural calling forth of one ever, of, of one another. It's like you want to be there for the other person to help them express themselves and once they do that, then you're you're feeling more safe and inspired to do the, the mm. same for yourself. Mm. And then it just sort of becomes a snowball effect. Mm. Mm. Right. And so you could sort of, you could, when I then then translate that over to the work you do, you help leaders do, there's, there's an analogous move of like a leader, you know, noticing where she's feeling some anxiety, getting in touch with the source of that anxiety, and then speaking vulnerably about it in in the context where it makes sense to speak about it and and having then then the team whoever that team might be whether it's an organization of 5000 people or five people there's there's ripple effects as yeah. a result of that choice there that that are that have spirit in them that if we want to you yes. know like that have energy in them that have aliveness in them as opposed to a there's a way in which i feel like often we're putting on masks or we're pu- putting on costumes when we go into certain contexts of doing what we think we should do. Yes. And that shouldness actually becomes the very block that you were talking about. It's poison, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go as far to say that shouldness yeah. is poison. <laughs> Good. So say more about that. Yeah. Like what's, what are you seeing? What's so toxic about shouldness? Uh, well, you know, you know, I can, I can speak to personal experience in yeah. my own life. Please. Uh, and, and we can, I'll just, lay out a couple of bookmarks. I love that you said the word aliveness because that's really alive for me. And then, and then two, I've actually used that concept that you just talked about when I coach teams together. So if we mm-hmm. want to come back to those couple of things, we can, because mm. um, it's amazing to see teams kind of open up in that way. Um, so for shouldness, I basically, I feel like I lived my whole life doing the shoulds up until maybe six years ago. Mm. Mm. And I, I don't judge that. It's, it's actually a gift. You know, I view everything that's happened in my life as a gift and it's given me, you know, ability to tell my story and be able to give the same gift to other people through what I've experienced. Um, so I hold it with a lot of um, fondness actually, mm. um, you know, but I feel like, uh, I, I feel like I was I was always just doing things that I thought that I should do to win, you know, my parents' approval to, uh, you know, father uh, follow in my father's footsteps as a successful businessman and CEO, and it, it turned me into this like white knuckled, type A, hard laced dude, or maybe even bro, <laughs> who was just always like, I got to do this. And then I got to do that. Like, you know, so it was like, I got to go to these schools and then I got to like, now this was coupled with, I actually didn't know what I wanted. Mm. So mm. It, it all fit and it all got to me to where, to, to a place of purpose. But I was just like, okay, well, I think that I should go get this consulting job out of, out of college. And then, and then I should go back to business school. Cause that's what one does to climb the ranks. And then I'm going to go get this job at Kraft Foods because, you know, brand management is this awesome industry. It allows you to learn so much and do whatever you want afterwards. And Kraft is like the number one place to go. It's the number one sought after interview on campus. Um, And so fast forward, 
uh, I guess, seven years after I took that job after business school, and I had sort of reached the learning curve of growth and development, which I know is very true for me that I just get stoked off of growth and development. So Mm -hmm. I I was fueled in a certain way, in a functional way in that career by learning and growing. And once it staved off, um, I, uh, you know, I just, I just sort of lost engagement and Mm -hmm. I just thought that I could, I should keep on doing that and I should go on to the next thing. And what happened was I became so depressed. Um, and I started drinking a lot as, as mm. well. Mm. Uh, I was just miserable and I didn't have any wherewithal to kind of look outside my blinders because I was just like, okay, this is what I should do. And, um, it actually, you know, it, 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 it parlayed itself into a sudden divorce. And um, my father actually passed away suddenly from cancer at that same time. Oh boy. Um, And going through all those things, I was actually fired from my job, which, you know, had a new boss come in, wasn't able to maintain this new job that I had and was being out for, you know, things to tend to family. And that is actually what it took to knock me down, to bring me down to my knees and to help me gain a perspective that was other than this kind of like, well, this is how I, this is how life goes. This is what I should do. And just be like, oh, wow, there's, there is so much more out mm. there. Mm. Um, there's actually this thing that's called like, who I, this question called, who am I? And like, what do I want? And what, what would I really want to do? Like, what would I be passionate about? What do I, what do I think that I'm here to do? Like, what's my purpose on earth? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't even know what the word, I, I, I can't even remember knowing what the word purpose was in that sort of what I'll call former life of mine. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure if that, if this thread lands for you, but, uh, but I figured I'd just pause there and. Yeah, really. Um, I'm deeply moved by what I can, as much as I'm able, like the sort of empathy or compassion I can draw on for that you then for that, that you that was living through the loss of a job, the loss of your father, the loss of your wife like from divorce, right? Like just all of the structures that the should intention had created for you, right? Like there's a way it's almost like, it's almost like, yeah, there's something about the reticular activation system you were talking about earlier and should as an intention, your brain is just now always going to be like, that's the thing you should do. That's the thing you should do. That's the thing you should. So you like, you like, you're you're a smart competent capable human and that that intention was activated and it got you exactly where you needed to be which is a really friggin painful spot so that you could then wake up to like i can't this intention isn't serving me anymore. yes yeah yeah i i really believe it's the best thing that's ever happened to me and i wouldn't i don't have one regret in my life and i wouldn't trade it i wouldn't trade that experience for anything yeah I, I, uh, a phrase I say a fair amount that when I first heard it really struck me was the idea that sometimes you have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough. Yes. Sounds like that was true for you in that moment. Oh, that's yeah. Um, it's totally true. And I love, I love using that. I love using that in coaching too. I think it's, I think it it, it happens on the job too. Yeah. Although, yeah. I sometimes follow up with, with, but sometimes there's just the breakdown, yeah. right? And, and so there's this way in which I feel like the work that people like you and I do is, is recognizing that sometimes people just need the breakdown. And if we can support them through that or make sure they have the supports to survive it and then, and then reassemble and like cast off what no longer serves and integrate what does that's really powerful. 
but also there's a way in which you don't have to have a breakdown to have right. a breakthrough, right? There's that's, that's the other piece of the puzzle. Sometimes there's just the breakthrough, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, and that can happen in spaces like the ones you facilitate uh, and that we've been talking about. And so I wonder, yeah, we could like, we could sort of, maybe, maybe, maybe we can kind of fast forward and fast back, but like now you've, you went through that breakdown, you, you made a lot of choices and maybe we can go back and look at some of those choices. But right now I'm finding mm-hmm. myself really curious about you reintegrated, you reoriented. Now you're really committed to, in in the context of, of men's healing and wellness, and also in the context of conscious, impactful businesses and team coherence, bringing in these, these ways of working and helping people have more breakthroughs with fewer breakdowns. Yes. And I wonder if you could say a bit more about what that looks like in, because you mentioned there's a way that that shows up in a team. And I wonder if you could talk mm-hmm. a bit more about like, how are you, I don't know, what's the word you use? Orchestrating, guiding, shepherding, facilitating. How are you, how are you helping teams step into that space? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, it's a great question. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll speak to the piece about working with the team together. Um, there's also a, a, a special toolkit I put together for one-on-one work that takes people very deep with a very specific set of questions that sort of just pops those epiphanies. Mm, mm. Um, so that could, that could be a, a bookmark. Um, but, you know, working with the team, it's this, the, the secret in the sauce is really, um, it's the two things that come to my mind to start with are slowing down in vulnerability. Mm. Mm. Um, so, and in the way that I would describe what I'm doing is I'm holding space or I am, you know, curating the conversation. I'm also facilitating the dynamics in the room between uh, teammates. And so, you know, if this is like a first session with the team, what that might look like was, was one just being like very casual, fun, off the cuff, like, okay, like let's, let's just be humans and try to connect with each other on any human level that we can and crack some jokes and like find some similarities, find some connections. Um, and then, it, and then it can also go into slowing down even more through some sort of mindfulness exercise. Mm. And, you know, for some of the more daring clients, they might choose my uh, shamanic Qigong shaking practice, yeah. which, um, which is just w- totally wild. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or, the, or, they, uh, or they might, you know, go for a guided meditation, mm-hmm. which... Um, you know, I, I use some of the principles from the men's work, which is like a body scan while we're doing the meditation to really somatically get into your body so that you can be more present and be more in the room and more connected to yourself so that you can connect to other people. Hmm. Um, and then there's also an option, there's also an, an option with breath work, which sometimes, you know, people just take a liking to that and that can also connect you very well. Um, so that's mindfulness. And then it, it really just comes down to, um, yeah, I would say the, I would say vulnerability is, is the, is the gold. It's all about facilitating round table, um, uh, questions and then having people go around the circle and answer things that will, um, bring out natural vulnerability. In a way that doesn't feel forced, but a way that just sort of eases you into just saying more about like, you know, who you are, how you feel, what you want. And then once that starts to open up, I can actually feel the energy and the temperature of the room go down. Where it's like, you know, I don't know, for me, I can feel in my stomach tension. Mm. Things are on high, pins and needles, like I'm kind of on edge. And then you know, the, the first person goes and they just say something that's like really true again, that they've been holding in, right. That yeah. created that block in the space. And then it's like, mm. and you see, you see one of the other teammates kind of like have a reaction and, 
like maybe their shoulders go down and <sighs> somebody takes a deep breath because they actually just felt less tension in their body and they could breathe deeper. Mm. and all of a sudden it just feels a lot more safe to have a really candid conversation. Yeah. And I can feel, I'm really enjoying the way that, that you're modeling that in this moment right now, right? Sort of connecting to that experience in your body and letting it be in your body and slowing down and breathing. It's helping me like drop in. Mm. And what I'm really excited about is it's so in a way it's so common sense, but I just, you've helped me articulate it clearly that when you're, when you're blocking something or you're feeling blocked when you're, and often evidence of that is a feeling of anxiety or fear, or uh, you don't want to upset anyone, or you don't want to embarrass yourself, or you don't want to get rejected. Like all these deeply primal human fears the language of those as, as actually not only are they blocking you from emotional freedom, they're also blocking the group that each of us, each of us just by virtue of how we are able to show up in any context has an impact on everyone else. Yeah. Right. Like that, that is really powerful that each one of us is both maybe wrestling with blocks inside of us, but, but the the releasing of those blocks inside of us is not a purely individual isolated internal release that that release then can instantly ripple towards other people who are, who are around when that's happening or after it happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just want to just like, I, I have this image of, of just somehow, you know, all of us, just the whole country right now, just taking a big fucking deep breath together and just being like, <laughs> right. Like we just, cause the, cause the inverse of that is, is a heightening of those primal emotions that, 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 that thicken and deepen and widen the barriers and the, and the gaps between yeah. us. Yeah. Can, can you imagine if the whole United States took one breath together? <laughs> I, I kind of like, I can and I can't. I, it's like, <laughs> I almost can't imagine it because it just might be, it might have a, it might have a transformative effect, right? Like to actually have the permission to do it and to do it all at once and to do it consciously to make that collective choice. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then what's beautiful about that is, of course, it's a paradox. A single breath can change everything. And there's lots of ways we could unpack that. But also, you breathe again and again, as long as you're alive, if you're lucky. And right now, what a time to be aware of how privileged it is to just be able to draw breath, right? When we see uh, on the front lines of racial justice and like this pandemic and like all the ways in which we're really thinking about how precious breath is. Mm that you can then have you that release breath and keep breathing deeply and keep staying with the uncomfort, the discomfort until something clicks and trusting that. Like, that's what I want. I want everyone to take a big fucking breath and then take another big fucking breath. (laughs) And then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that piece there about what you're saying, staying with the discomfort mm-hmm. that in my mind is actually the secret to uh, the shift happening mm-hmm. is that so often in the, in the world, in the game of transformation is that I'll speak for myself. I get uncomfortable and I check out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, when, my feet are held to the fire either by my own will and by myself. And I maybe stay feeling with a uncomfortable feeling in my body, or I feel a knot somewhere in like my stomach. And I just decide to, instead of going for that, like ordering a cheeseburger from seamless web, which is <laughs> a lot, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just lay down on my bed and see if I can relax and breathe into that knot and just be with it. Mm. 
mm. until, until if any amount more that it can release and unwind and unfurl just a little bit more. And I think that, that the analogy of somebody doing one-on-one being with discomfort can totally apply to group work. Yeah. Whether it's the whole United States being with these uncomfortable opportunities of increasing uh, justice and compassion in the world, Mm. um, or if it's just with a team of, you know, a team of startup founders that I'm coaching and instead of jumping to the next topic, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say there? Like, can we slow down and like, let's unpack that. And can we go deeper into what you're feeling right now? And what's that about for you? And going around and just being with discomfort in any context, I think can really just uh, bring out a lot of healing release um, in the true nature of either the person or the collective. Yeah. Yeah. One, um, I want to, I'm really curious to hear your opinion or your feeling on how this connects to, to the identity we construct or that has been constructed for us. And this maybe really circles, uh, maybe a good way for us to get in this concretely is the men's work because, because the idea, the identity and idea of of masculinity and manliness is something I've talked about with a few guests on the show, but I know this is like front and center to what you do in the world. And it just seems to me as part of that being with you described, there's an invitation not to, not to excise or repress or cast off the, the identity of I am a man, but rather to deepen and expand and, um, perhaps give it more color or more uh, facets, mm-hmm. right? Like that. And there are ways in which our discomfort seems to, to get in the way of, of letting us step more fully into the fullness of that identity. And instead there's a more kind of narrow boxed off walled in kind of version that we're doing. And I wonder, I wonder how you feel, how you've been feeling into that and how you've, how you've seen other men, work with that opening up that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such a rich topic. There's so many places we can go here. Um, The first thing that comes to my mind is like, I went into men's work saying that like, there really is one way to be a man. Mm. And there really is like this concept of like being a man. And that was debunked for me very, very quickly. (laughs) and very freeing and very liberating. How was it debunked for you? What, what do you remember the moment where it was debunked or was it just more of a feeling, an opening? Uh, you know, I, I, I think it was, what comes to my mind was we were at a retreat and it was one of the like breakfast table prompts to talk about as we're eating our oatmeal is to like, what is what, in, what do you think it means to be a man? Mm. Mm. And, and, uh, and just to see so many people have different responses and for me to feel that that's true for them and it's true in general. Mm. Um, and I, I think that I first came across that concept when I read this. I think I was so nervous about getting into bench work and I was like, oh, I got to like do it well and like, got to become a leader. So like, I better like have all the answers going into this or like, <laughs> so I sort of tried in the beginning. And then once I figured out there's no freaking way that I can like have all the answers and that my vulnerability of not having the answers will actually be the leadership. Um, but, uh, but I, anyway, I read this book by Lewis Howes that's called the mask of masculinity or something. Mm. Like that. And I believe it was in there. He proposed that, um, his one of his definitions of a man um, was just that you have a defined set of values and that you live within your values. <laughs> um, and so in my words, I translate that to just being in integrity with who you are. 
<laughs> um, and I think I came into it thinking like, oh man, like man means to be masculine and, you know, masculine has these things of like playing sports and like, um, you know, uh, supporting a family financially and, uh, you know, protecting and getting things done and, and whatever it might be. And those all may actually be true for some people. And that's, uh, that's, that's totally fine. But I, I, I actually came into this body of work through a couple of, uh, spiritual teachers who, who also were into men's work hmm. and they talked about this notion of polarity. Um, in, 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 and I learned about that through, because I was in, I, I was in a incredible relationship that totally just shut down and things blew up. And I went to this place called Kripalu <laughs> and, um, I believe synchronicity happened. I met the shaman. I hit it off with him. I booked him for a session. He told me about this guy named David Data and this book called The Way of the Superior Man. And uh, I went home and read it. And that was maybe four or five years ago. And I've been sort of seeing the world through this lens of polarity or of two different energies that are on the earth called masculine or feminine. Mm. that are also called uh, yin or yang that mm. are also called in Western psychology, the anima or the animus. Mm. And uh, knowing that it didn't for, for me to be a man, it didn't have to be all about embodying masculine traits, which are being direct, um, getting things done, having a lot of structure, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, it can also be about being fully integrated with the feminine values, which hmm. are compassion, creativity, collaboration, uh, nurturing, intuition, hmm. all those kinds of things. And so now I hold myself as a whole man knowing that, um, well, one, I cleaned up a lot of toxic behavior I have from my past, but, but two, that I embody not just healthy masculine traits, but also healthy feminine traits. And I, I do that in a way that's, or I try, I try to do that in a way that's just authentic for me. It's yeah. Like, oh, should I be touchy feely and intuitive right now? Or should I sort of like really set some structure and like hold, make a plan and hold a container and hold space sort of, sort of thing. Right. So it sounds like it gives you that integration of those energies or those polarities or your, or your ongoing engagement with integrating those, those energies or polarities gives you more freedom of choice and option in a given situation. So you can sort of see what, what the, the moment is asking of you. And rather than apply the same the hammer to every nail that that comes its way you can actually see that no it's not all nails some things need something that's more fluid some things yeah. need things something that's more structured so i like that like kind of from a from a place of agency or action there's it sounds like you've broadened your your sort of capacity to be more effective and impactful in the world so that's like for those people who really are like uh, are very action oriented. That's a beautiful invitation to say, if you, if you notice that your default action is always to, to be the hammer to the nail, it's, mm. it's a guarantee that there are many situations where you're actually hammering on, uh, you know, I don't know, a cushion or something like that, right? Like you're, you're totally miss, you're totally missing an opportunity to be yeah. differently. So I want to yeah. underline that because it's cool. But also the other thing that's really exciting for me and what you're, and this distinction you're drawing out is like, I, I have, I've noticed that there's a, there's a sort of worry or fear I have. And maybe this is some, some maybe this would just come up in a men's men's group work, but that, that we have conflated masculinity or masculine energy with the freight with toxicity mm. and, and you, and, and it sounds like you've done some work to disen to sort of really disentangle or to, 
absolve or to provide an antidote to the toxicity. And that really was actually this, this act of integration, that, that masculine energy, whoever you are, whatever body you're in, has a lot of value, just like feminine energy, whoever you are or whatever body you're in, has a lot of value and that all of us have, have permission and, a, and capacity to access the full range of those energies and to apply them in our lives. Yes. Is that like, does that speak to what you're, you're getting at? Yeah, you totally got it a hundred percent. And I feel that when you are, or when I am fully integrated in those energies, it's actually just me being aligned with all of myself Hmm. and right. Because we both have, we, we all have both of those energies inside of us. One might be more pronounced than the other, but we both have both. We all have both. Uh, in that it's my belief that when you're in that full authentic nature and fully integrated in whatever way that you are with those both energies that you then have actually, you have access to so much more resources within inside of yourself mm. Mm. and you actually can magnetically emit more influence and more, uh, yeah, I'll just use the word influence mm-hmm. through just, you, you know, the energy that you emit, but also just the, the power and the truth that's in your words when you say them. Mm. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I love that. And I love the, um, the last piece in particular, like the sort of way that we can be vessels of truth to speak truth. Right. And, and we live in a world where, a lot of people aren't even sure if there's truth anymore, right? We're constantly like the whole, we could go down the whole fake news rabbit hole and have We've whole totally forgotten that there is a truth or yeah. that we have a truth. Some of us. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That we, we may not have access to, to all of the truth or the whole, like there's this great image I, I, I have carried with me since, since I was a philosophy undergrad. It's like a kind of satirical image and and uh it's it's basically a group of monks all of them with their eyes like blindfolded touching an elephant and you know one of them is touching the elephant's nose another is touching the elephant's blood another one's touching the elephant's foot and they're all saying ah this is this is what the elephant is right and they're right this is what the elephant is but actually they're also incomplete Mm. so so if all of them speak their truth to each other, a more complete picture of the truth emerges. Mm -hmm. If all of them speak their truth to each other as if it were the truth and no other truth, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the, the sort of that drops into, into dogma. That's sort of the shadow side of like, you know, getting caught up in this idea that, that you, you are the sole purveyor of right and wrong, which seems to me, me often a, a kind of toxic expression of that masculine energy, the way in which mm. we can get so hard charging mm. that to even admit the possibility that there's another lane to get into is to, is, is a show of weakness and, and yeah. we can't fucking do that. Right. And yes. so what I hear you describe is a very different, like, no, I'm going to speak my truth as best as I'm able, but I'm also, I have the capacity to listen for your truth. Yeah not because our truths are relative and whatever, but no, actually you and I together are, are tapping into now. And this is maybe back to our coherence piece. We're now both speaking our truth in a way that gives us access to, to more of the truth or more of reality than we can access on our own. And just like, so that I want, I want all, give me all of that, Nathan, just like <laughs> give us all of that, please. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I love what you're saying there, and it, and it makes me think about um, two concepts that I use in team coaching, which is, one, the triangle of truth, and two, yes, and. Mm. And the first one, the, the triangle of truth, says that you can have your truth, mm. I can have my truth, mm. and there may be a, if you go up the triangle, there may be a higher truth that mm. is elevated above both the truth of you and I that sort of serves us as a collective. Yeah. And um, 
this idea of yes and of like just because you have a truth and I have a truth doesn't mean it needs to be either or. Both of those can all, can be true, and we can work with both of them at the same time. Yeah. Instead, of, instead of making one right, one wrong, it's like right. you get into this higher space, and you're like, well, how can we play with both of those together? Mm. Mm. I love uh, I love the bringing in geometry, like the, the 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 triangle of truth, as as a metaphor for what we're talking about, because it has an integrated quality. It's not that you break apart the triangle to get to the top where the, where the kind of higher truth is. It's actually the higher truth the our access to it is only available. If both, if, if the bottom parts of the triangle are in integrity, if we're both able to access our truth, share it with each other, yeah. both end with each other so that yeah. something higher emerges. So it's not like, I think that's a fear there's like we have such a win lose, like that's one of the shoulds that we've inherited. That's one of the filters that our reticular activation system keeps applying to life is like a scarcity, loss, win, lose, yeah. and it's like no, no. Actually, the the real win, the real magic happens when when we're both winning. Yeah, and and now that 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 tip of the triangle then becomes something we can, we can ascend to that we can work towards as opposed to thinking like we have to break apart to get it. I love, I love that. You don't have to break apart. It is about staying connected. Yeah. 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 Mm. Man. It's so funny. This, this flew by. It's already, we're already pretty much at time. Really? Yeah. 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 And I guess I want to, I'm feeling a kind of call to what you just said. We don't have to break apart that it's really about staying connected. Mm. And I wonder if you feel called to say anything else about how you're practicing that. Mm. Like in your life, in your work, in your day, like what is it that you're doing to just stay connected even when, maybe even especially when it feels scary, hard, you want to retreat, you want to retract, you want to mm. break apart. Mm. Well, well, two things came to mind. Maybe something else will come up. Um, one is my daily morning practice. Mm. Um, about three months ago, I was, I was in some pretty deep funk Mm. from, you know, everything that's going on and I just had to get out of it. And, um, I had actually set an intention at the beginning of the the year, as I do every, every, you know, I take a big trip at the end of the year and I do a lot of journaling and what, and I read this book called the 5am club Hmm. and I was like, that's it. I'm joining the 5am club. Like I'm getting up at five and I'm going to do this whole protocol of three components. Really it's, it's sweat, reflect and grow. Mm. And, uh, and I tried doing it in the beginning of the year and it just didn't work. And I believe that everybody is different and every, every body, physical body needs something different. And I let go of it. I tried, failed, tried, failed. And I was like, you know what? This just isn't right for me right now. And um, I got so much rest. I went into nature in the Adirondacks for several months during the height of COVID. And I got so much rest that when I came back to the city, I just felt ready. I was like, I'm going to get up at five and I'm going to do this protocol. And what's true for me about connecting or feeling connected is that my biggest gateway or doorway to do that is with and through other people. Mm. So I'm not a sit on your cushion kind of guy and just get lost for two hours, but put me in a circle full of guys. I'll get tapped into myself really quick. Um, you know, sharing vulnerable stuff or what I did in this case was I partnered with, with um, one of my, one of my buddies actually from the circle who's, you know, now I consider a best friend or one of my best friends after we've gone through this experience for three months now um, of 
of, of like sharing, like, Hey, we're going to do this. And we do a hit workout. He leads it. And then I lead a Kundalini breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a style of yoga that I've been certified in. I also lead us in Wim Hof breathing. Um, and then we do kind of like every man style stuff. We're like, you know, how are you feeling? Like what's present for you? And then like, what's big, like, what do you want today? And that allows me to, when I, when I leave that party, I'm so connected to myself and I'm so ready to go for the day. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and you know, and like, and I also need more help. So I, um, I actually have two coaches that I work with. Um, one is a master coach from my certification school, CTI or the Mm -hmm. coactive school. Um, and the other one is a Taoist priest Hmm. who has been, ah, I just got a little sentimental there. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Let yourself be with it. I feel like, yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, What are you noticing as you connect to, to the role this priest plays for you? Well, one, I felt this sort of twinge or kind of soft spot open up right here. Above your heart. What's that? Above your heart. Yeah. Above my heart. Yeah. And, uh, he's been there every step of the way of the journey for me since I had that life crash. And, the evolution of our relationship has been so dynamic and growing. Like he was the teacher at first and then I became the teacher and now we're kind of partners together, coaching one another. Um, and we just had a big breakthrough on the table yesterday, uh, which his modality is usually, sort of talk like wisdom coaching through, through talking and then acupuncture. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a little raw from the level of breakthrough that we had yesterday and that exploded in my morning practice and my breath work, um, that, that sort of opened up from that new space. So, um, there's a whole lot more that I do to connect to myself, but I, I know that we are at time. And so I want to be sensitive to that. That could be a whole another podcast. Yeah, um, but for those listening, his name is Thomas Droge, and he's in New York, and he's ah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was the first one who showed me what a real man is, mm-hmm. and uh, even before the men's work, he modeled it, and he helped bring out in me what it meant to be a man. So I can't stress enough for me, just the impact of having somebody to coach me and to hold me in a container of transformation and also having somebody who can model for me what it is that I aspire to be. Fuck yeah, man. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it's really beautiful. And thank you for noticing the feeling and going towards it and sharing that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that I can see and hear you, but I trust that those listening will at least get a taste for what it's like to say yes to your own journey and to find mentors and teachers and coaches and call them whatever you will, people who can help you stay that stay on the course of that journey come come the deepest lows and highest highs and everything in between. So thank you for sharing that. And and also for modeling and the way it sounds like Thomas models for you, what it is to be a, a man comfortable and open and curious to all of the things we've been playing with. This has been really fun. Yeah. Thank you for holding that space and for, pulling that forward into the collective. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it also helps me be seen and I feel really supported by you holding that for me. It's one of the most nourishing things that I can receive in my life as a gift. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's to the power of seeing and being seen. 
Nathan, yeah, that's really so fundamental. And and I just maybe feel called to say one more thing that really connects to everything we've talked and we've talked about those blocks that we were working with, what we call vulnerability, which of course is not actually even a choice. Like we are are all vulnerable. We all we all have the life we have, and maybe there's life after that, or maybe there's not, but like all of us are fragile, all of us can be hurt. And so we armor up and we put the masks on and we put the role, we play the roles and play the parts and inadvertently block ourselves off from each other. But when we give ourselves the gift of, of letting others see us mm-hmm. and, and seeing others, like, I feel like that's really this, like we get down to the root. It just can be that simple <laughs> to just be bear witness and be witnessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So thanks for playing in that space with me today. It's been really a, it's been really a pleasure. And um, for anyone who's listening, I'll, I'll make sure to include all of your info when, when the show goes live, but just in the moment for anyone who's listening, if they want to get closer to what you're up to in the world, what's the best place for them to go? Um, yeah, I'd say two places. One is um, my website, elevatewithpurpose.com. Uh, and you can also find a link to my LinkedIn profile there. And the other one is, uh, my social account, LinkedIn, or sorry, Instagram, where you get a little behind the, behind the curtains view of Nathan and his personal life and and how I try to embody what it is that I believe in. Hmm. Uh, I'm an open book and you can find me there and, and drop me a DM if you want to talk at ultra schultz it's one word ultra just like uh well it's it's ultra like ultra nate a, a famous uh house music <laughs> yeah. uh, artist and then schultz s-h-u-l-t-z got it wonderful yeah well i hope i hope uh i know that those who find their way to your work and what you're up to more closely will really get access to some of the stuff we've been playing with today. So thanks for being here. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, sending everyone lots of love. Thanks for tuning into the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.